Hello everyone, I'm Paris Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership with Tom Fox, hosted by Richard Lummis. This is Tom Fox. This begins a special three-part episode that Richard Lummis and I do on President Harry Truman, General Douglas MacArthur, and Truman's sacking of MacArthur during the Korean War. We take a look at the leadership lessons from both MacArthur and Truman, and then what happened that led to MacArthur's sacking by Truman, and what lessons today's business leader can draw from this. It's a fascinating exploration of a significant point in U.S. history. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of 12 O'Clock High, a podcast about leadership. This is Richard Lummis, and I'm here with Tom Fox for another discussion on how to improve our leadership skills. We believe leadership is a skill which can be improved with study of both good and bad practices, and we try to draw interesting examples from many sources, including history, fiction, film, and business writing. Welcome back, Tom. In previous podcasts, we've talked about the leadership styles of Harry Truman and Douglas MacArthur individually. Today, we'll be discussing the intersection of the two when Truman's relieving MacArthur of command in April 1951 uh, during the height of the Korean War. At first, MacArthur's handling of the Korean War had been brilliant. By holding the Pusan perimeter with United Nations forces and then striking amphibiously at Incheon, he succeeded in driving the North Koreans back almost to the Yalu River. But by this point, the Korean War was not going well. MacArthur had misjudged the Chinese and overplayed his hand, leading to the Chinese intervention in the war and the longest and most costly retreat in U.S. Army history. The decision to fire the hero of World War II was incredibly unpopular with the public, and in today's world, poll-driven politics would seem almost suicidal. In February 1952, Truman's approval rating in the Gallup poll was 22%, the lowest ever recorded, although Richard Nixon managed to tie the mark in 74. With time, as with much of Truman's reputation, the view of this decision has become much more favorable and nuanced. Tom, this is a fairly complicated episode. Where would you like to start in discussing it? So, Richard, in our two previous podcasts, we looked at the leadership styles of both Harry Truman and General Douglas MacArthur. I should say President Truman, um, not so much Harry Truman. The, um, and the question that I started with uh, in researching for this podcast that I've carried with me and wanted to, to pose to you was, was this termination inevitable? Uh, we've touched upon uh, leadership style of President Truman that, uh, as his well-known phrase on, on the desk said, uh, the buck stops here, that he was willing to make a decision. We've talked about uh, MacArthur's leadership style, but also his vision that he was a general in charge of winning a war and that that, for him, meant uh, certain um, steps had to be taken and certain goals had to be accomplished. And for whatever reason, they were not able to reconcile their different approaches so uh, that Truman, at the end of the day, felt that he had to terminate uh, MacArthur, not um, as, as really as a military commander, but I think to reassert uh, civilian control over the military. Um, MacArthur was subordinate. Uh, he did directly disobey uh, orders from uh, Truman and his bosses, the Joint Chiefs, to stop at certain geographic lines. Uh, MacArthur uh, thwarted Truman's attempt to negotiate uh, a ceasefire, 
when he ordered his troops uh, to invade North Korea and push the NKPA up past the 38th parallel. Um, MacArthur thought that he needed to expunge the communists from the Korean Peninsula. Uh, <clears throat> after the Chinese invaded and ruptured the line, uh, then we had comments about uh, not only bombing of Chinese cities, but actually uh, nuclear bombing Chinese cities. And you, you, you had a great phrase I'm going to ask you to say again <laughs> about perhaps seeding uh, uh, certain lands uh, with a nuclear residue to make them uh, non-passable. Um, and so it moved to a level that uh, literally threatened uh, not, not just world war, but a world nuclear war. And I think uh, when we got to that point, Truman uh, was literally at a point where he had no choice. Well, I think it probably was inevitable, given the character of these two men and their, and their different goals. At one point in the, in the early 60s, Truman was quoted as saying, I fired him because he wouldn't respect the authority of the president. I didn't fire him because he was a dumb son of a bitch, although he was. But that's not against the law for generals. If it was, half to three-quarters of them would be in jail. Uh, spoken like a former captain in the artillery. Um, and I think that may have had uh, something to do with it, was that uh, Truman had served in the military and had a very strict idea of the chain of command. Yes. And the president's at the top of it. And, and had seen combat. Yes, and MacArthur was undercutting him. What I thought was more interesting was he's been criticized, Truman has been criticized for mishandling the way the firing was, was carried out. Um, the actual communication of his relief was, in fact, bungled, but I don't really think that was Truman's fault. Um, and really, when you think about his options, his only other option was really a public court-martial. And I don't think that was a better choice. Uh, you're, I have to agree with you wholeheartedly on that. That would have unleashed forces in the United States, required us to air incredibly dirty laundry, uh, perhaps given away a military or other top secrets, and polarized uh, the U.S. population in a way that um, it had not had to go through at that point for some time. The, the other thing is, um, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the aftermath of the decision uh, in a little bit, but we also had previously talked about Truman's collegial leadership style. And in this case, he was really quite restrained. Um, for one, he was not going to fire MacArthur unless he had the unanimous support of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And it took him a while to get that. Although, at the end, um, there was general agreement with George Marshall that he actually should have been fired two years ago. Um, so, uh, but, but I thought that was very interesting that uh, Truman was actually quite restrained in um, accepting these, uh, these acts of disobedience by MacArthur. So the, um, uh, the decision was made, the termination was made, the fallout at the time appeared to be huge. There was a, a very famous congressional appearance where uh, MacArthur ended with, old soldiers do not die, they simply fade away. Uh, as you noted in a previous podcast, he went out on a tour. There were uh, <clears throat> uh, thoughts or, or uh, pressures for him to run for president, but uh, he did fade away and uh, faded away quite quickly. And I think to both his surprise and surprise of uh, certain members of the Republican Party, he faded away much more quickly, quickly than they wanted and was wholly unsuccessful in any political attempts 
to, to, to successfully uh, become a candidate in the Republican uh, Party for the presidency. So uh, really after that, uh, he did fade away. Truman was able to reassert uh, the clear provenance um, that uh, political control uh, over the military, and uh, it led to, as, as you noted, the uh, just a drop but abysmal ratings in Truman's uh, popularity. Truman, uh, although he could have stood for re-election in 1952, uh, certainly understood uh, he would, had no chance of being re-elected and wisely uh, did not subject to the country uh, to that going forward. So um, uh, I want to take, uh, I want to have to go in a different direction uh, because I found in uh, one of the articles uh, I researched, Richard, was a four-point program for a decision-making process. So I'm just going to read this uh, because I found it very, very powerful. It's called the PEEL system. Uh, it's P-E-E-L. Uh, P, uh, your main idea. Clearly introduce a range of possible answers on a topic uh, when staking out a clear position that can be supported with evidence. Two, evidence that you have to support your main idea. Seamlessly integrate evidence from multiple sources by accurately summarizing the details and using the source information uh, to establish its relevance. Uh, second E, uh, Evaluate and explain your evidence. Accurately explain the significance of evidence used and evaluate the re reliability and utility of available sources. And then six, excuse me, four, link, L, link to the context or the problem. Link back to the original uh, problem or issue by placing the evidence within the historical context, context and summarizing how the evidence supports your decision. And I found that to be a, just an excellent approach to decision making. I stumbled on that as a teaching plan and I, I just had to, to throw that in. But there was uh, one other uh, area that I wanted to, to take us, Richard, um, because uh, this is uh, a well-known tale, I think, in American uh, political history after this decision uh, was something called the Banning Letter. And the Banning Letter was a literally a handwritten letter from a gentleman named William Banning to President Truman uh, after his uh, son had been killed in the Korean conflict. And, and I will read this to you uh, because it's pretty short and then perhaps we can explore this. Uh, Mr. Truman, as you have been directly responsible for the loss of our son's life in Korea, you just might as well keep this emblem on display on your trophy room, in your trophy room, as a memory of one of your historic deeds. Our major regret at this time is that your daughter was not there to receive the same treatment as our son received in Korea. Signed, William Banning. Um, very powerful letter. Uh, what is a president, what's he supposed to do when he gets something like this? In a case like this, one of the things that helped Truman was the fact that he had served in combat. Um, the death of a, of a young man in combat is a horrible thing. And Truman often said that the hardest decision he had to make in his presidency was not dropping the atomic bomb or the Marshall Plan or one of his other famous decisions. It was whether or not to enter the Korean War. And... We talked about how he never um, suffered too much introspection about his decisions, but I think he, he spent a lot of time worrying about that one. Uh, I, I would agree with that, and, and I really want to pick up on the point you have now made several times, which is he had served in combat, and <clears throat> that is not something that uh, our current political generation has. Uh, George W. Bush was our last president uh, who even served in the military. 
Um, but before that, uh, I think we go back to his father for the last president who had served in combat. And people who have served in combat, uh, I think, have a very different perspective. They understand what it means to send young men to their death and now young women uh, to, their, to their death, or at least put them in harm's way. And uh, that is a recognized task of a military leader. It's not pleasant, but it's something that an officer accepts that responsibility uh, when they become an officer, and hopefully they receive training on how to do this. Uh, I found it incredibly interesting uh, we hinted at or, or just touched upon some of Truman's uh, military experience at the end of World War I in our podcast on his presidency and how that informed his presidency. And, and I think this is, you're absolutely right, this is a continuation of how he viewed uh, the decisions he had to make, how he viewed his role as the commander-in-chief, and how he understood that uh, his decisions had actual consequences to put men and women in harm's way. Well, and he, he remained close to uh, the troops that had served under him um, for the rest of their lives, um, yes. which uh, I, I think indicates some, to a, an extent how seriously he took that responsibility. Richard, in a previous podcast we ex- on President Truman, we explored the decision to drop the atomic bomb. Uh, this decision certainly cannot be, uh, or at least I would not categorize it in the same, ca- or put it in the same category, but the political consequences and certainly the political cost to Truman was uh, extraordinarily high, yet he made this decision. How, uh, in the business world, if you have to make an unpopular decision, uh, kind of what would lead one to, to get to the point where they would at least make that decision? Well, in this case, I think the, the very strong moral compass that Truman had and his conviction that the world could not afford a World War III, and especially not a nuclear World War III, um, and that he was going to do whatever it took that was within his power to avoid that. Um, I mean, your initial question was what to do if you receive a letter like Banning. Um, and I don't know. Truman obviously kept the letter, um, and I'm sure he, he referred to it on occasion. But um, I don't know that you can respond properly to something like that. So in terms of the um, lessons learned uh, for the business leader from this, uh, I really struggled with that question. Um, On Truman's behalf, I think uh, decisiveness uh, when you do have to make a decision. But uh, the uh, steps that Truman took up to the termination, including the famous meeting in Hawaii, where he actually went to Hawaii and uh, met, had a rendezvous with uh, MacArthur. They were not able to reconcile their differences, or at least um, MacArthur didn't, uh, didn't change the way he was acting uh, after their rendezvous. Uh, I think that was probably, in my mind, the death knell of the relationship and that led directly to the termination of MacArthur. But uh, you uh, pointed out the unanimity of... Um, the Joint Chiefs, uh, that was actually made clear in the William Manchester book that uh, MacArthur had lost his bosses, the Joint Chiefs, because of his actions. Uh, certainly he had lost Marshall, um, if he ever had Marshall, uh, but certainly uh, two years before, Marshall would not condense that kind of insubordination as a leader. And Truman took the step that he thought was necessary to end the war. The war did end. Uh, it ended by ceasefire. Um, 
There's still no treaty, as we all know, between the United States or South Korea and North Korea. So um, was the, the decision the right one, I guess, is what we need to perhaps end with? I think it was the right one. And I initially thought that business leaders are never faced with this momentous decision. But, of course, they are. Um, every now and then, uh, the general manager of a sports team is faced with misbehavior by a star player. And frequently, CEOs are faced with misbehavior by some of their uh, subordinates. Uh, certainly, you see that in the compliance realm. Um, but you see it in other areas as well. And terminating an apparent star is, is going to be costly to you and your career politically. Um, but if you really believe that you're in the right, then you need to accept that consequence. Uh, and, and in the Me Too era, I think uh, that decision has, has really expanded out uh, much beyond the sports realm. And I think companies have um, had, had to and have done the right thing in terminating senior leadership uh, when it turns out that the uh, actions by that leader really were at a level that could not be tolerated in this day and age. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd draw a distinction there. They tolerated it for a long time. Yes. And they only took action when it was politically popular to do so. So I think that that may actually cut against the argument we're making here that what is necessary in a case like this is making a politically unpopular decision that you know is right. Richard, this has just been a fascinating exploration uh, for me uh, of this short three-part podcast series where we looked at uh, leadership qualities of President Truman, leadership qualities of Douglas MacArthur, and here in this podcast where we viewed, uh, discussed rather the termination by Truman of MacArthur uh, as commander in uh, Korea. Uh, I think that we will be able to continue to mine these events uh, for additional lessons going forward. I think so. And for those listeners interested in more detail, we've discussed uh, William Manchester's American Caesar. Uh, I also recommend David McCullough's Truman, although it is rather lengthy. And a book Tom and I have both read recently, uh, Hampton's Sides on Desperate Ground, which describes the Battle of the Chosin Reservoir during uh, the Korean War, um, during the period we're, we're discussing. Um, highly recommend that one. And on that note, for now, this is Richard Lummis and Tom Fox with 12 O'Clock High signing off. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this special three-part series by Richard Lummis on myself, where we looked at leadership lessons from President Harry Truman, from General Douglas MacArthur, and then the sacking by President Truman of General MacArthur for insubordination during the Korean crisis. It's been a fascinating exploration of leadership, leadership under pressure, and how two very different leadership styles can both succeed extraordinarily, extraordinarily well and in the case of MacArthur, extraordinarily badly, which led to his termination by President Truman. I hope you'll join Richard and I again for another episode of 12 O'Clock High, a podcast of business leadership. 12 O'Clock High is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network and now part of C-Suite Radio. This is Paris Fox again. We hope you enjoyed this episode of 12 O'Clock High a podcast on business leadership with Tom Fox. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and rate the podcast. Thank you for listening.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.